From Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Fifty points in a game seven, where you put your team on your back and you make every video game play possible. A human highlight reel. It wasn't a night for Steph Curry. It was one of those nights. And it becomes an unforgettable portion of the legacy of what he's accomplished. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and your smart speakers. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Fitz and Harry's presented by Progressive Insurance. We need to get some insight on this. We need to get some more expertise on it. We've been breaking it down all day. Fitz and Harry presented by Progressive Insurance. Get a business insurance quote online in as little as six minutes. Visit ProgressiveCommercial.com. Ramona Shelburne, ESPN NBA insider and senior writer, joins us right now. Ramona, put into perspective what Steph did last night in your eyes. I mean, it was was kind of incredible watching him throughout this because You'll see the seven three-pointers and the 50 points and go, okay, he just had, like, one of those curry flurries or something. But he actually did it in a very different way than he normally does, which is he, he had 22 points in the paint. Like, all those little scoop shots and step-throughs and floaters and layups, like, that's where he did his damage. And it was, you know, like, I as somebody who – I tend to, whenever I cover a Warriors game, I get out there early and I like to watch Steph warm up because he kind of puts on a show for everybody. Like, that's kind of what he practices, and it looks like he's screwing around. Like, it looks like he's just doing trick shots, like we're in, like we're playing horse. But he's actually practicing that. And that's his – and he calls it, like, his, his short game, like we're like a golf, you know, like a pitch and putt game. And that's, that's, that's how he did it last night. It was amazing. Like, to see the overall brilliance. In, a, in, a, in the offensive game. Like, it wasn't just knocking down a million threes. Like, he hit he hit seven of them, but do that in a game seven and silence that crowd in Sacramento to the point where, like, I walked down the stairs and there were fans leaving with five minutes left in the game. It was over. And it was, you know, after that kind of a series to do that and shut the door at age 35, it's pretty remarkable. Ramona, we need you. We need you to tell us what's at stake. For not only Steph, a.k.a. Chef Curry, yeah. but for Fitz's goat, LeBron James, <laughs> in this next round. I mean, did you guys ever think we would get another Warriors-LeBron series? No. Like, I, no. I don't I – mean, I, you know, we did the play-in game a couple years ago. Remember 2021? It was the first ever NBA play-in game. The Lakers were the seventh seed. The Warriors were the eighth. And the Lakers won it on a crazy three by LeBron at the end. And then the Warriors went and lost to the Grizzlies in the second playing game and missed the playoffs altogether, right? And it was like both teams kind of seemed like they were getting old, like old, kind of on the decline towards the bottom of the conference. You know, it was like, oh man, that was a fun run while it lasted. It was, that was, you know, it was a good one. That was two years ago, and the Warriors won a title the next year, and then LeBron is back, passing Kareem, and good as ever with a team that looks like it could win a title. And it's it's kind of amazing. It, like, makes me feel young, right? <laughs> like, I, you know, like, I'm, I'm 43, okay? Um, LeBron James is 38. Steph Curry's 35. And I feel like I've been covering these two guys my entire career. And so, like, it's 
you know, most of the time when you cover players like this, like they, they eventually age out and retire or they decline. And there's a moment where it's like, oh, man, that was a good run. And you cover their retirement. And these two guys are, like, still doing it. <laughs> still good. They're not just playing. They're still great. And I think it's um, – we talked about what's at stake. Like, I didn't, I didn't know LeBron would get another crack at winning number five. I didn't know after the way – the Lakers kind of, I thought that they got themselves into a pretty deep hole with the trade for Westbrook. They gave away a lot of depth and assets. And the fact that they're back to this spot this this quickly, where he's got a chance to win number five, like number five puts you in, in rarefied air. That's like a real benchmark. And, Ooh. you know, Steph's right there too, right? I mean, Steph's got four. LeBron's got four. Like, number five, now you're talking about Magic. Now you're talking about Kobe. Oh. Like, there's, there, there's a lot of players who've won four. There's not many who win five, and there's only a couple who've won six. So this is there's a lot here. Now, the reason why I'm saying, oh, and I'm perking up a little bit, because, see, Ramona, I went out on a limb this morning, and I said if yeah. Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors win this series against LeBron James, that would now – they would now be 4-1. Steph Curry, that is, versus LeBron in meaningful situations when it comes to a playoff series, 3-1 and one, uh, in the NBA Finals against them. Uh-huh. I also said if Steph goes on and win a, another NBA championship this year, I had to pull my phone out, Ramona, because I said we got to have another conversation yeah. about Mount Rushmore because of the yep. size of Steph Curry at 6-2 doing the things that we, he have, would, would have done and winning five championships. What are your thoughts? It's, it, you know, it's, it's interesting with, with Steph because, like, he, he should be at the top of that mountain, right? Like, he should be – he's an ultimate winner, and yet he doesn't get the same credit that guys like LeBron or Michael or those guys in that conversation. I think because of his size, I think he's sort of seen as a guy that needs the right kind of players around him. But, you know, I really do think you can put him on the spot. Any, any team with the right composition, he would, he would make that team a contender. Um What's fun about I, I do want to revisit the whole idea that the Warriors were three and one against LeBron James when he was on the Cavs, right? And but they were really one and one if you think about it, because the other two years the Warriors had Kevin Durant, and I don't know is that a fair fight? Ramona, <laughs> like the stop Warriors it. Had Kevin Durant, <laughs> Ramona, stop it. Harry's making faces. Ramona, now. stop it because LeBron James had to first of all leave Cleveland to go win a title in Miami, joining Chris Bosh yeah. and Dwayne Wade. Yeah, I'm just saying he wasn't against the Warriors, right? Yeah. Like against the Warriors, like I was at all of those finals, those four finals. The first one, the Warriors beat in Fair and Square. That was that was the first year of the Warriors run. They didn't. They had this this team that they have basically right now, which was like recast. Okay, and with some older older players, obviously as the role players, but it was still Steph Clay and Draymond and Andre Iguodala. The second year was the '73 win team, and that's when the Warriors blew it. They had the three-one lead. Draymond gets suspended. The Cavs win it in seven. All-time great series. And then mm-hmm. the next two years, they had Kevin Durant. So I'm not saying like you don't get credit for those, but like when I look at is it is it really the Warriors dominating LeBron? I don't know. LeBron was amazing in those series. Like he was, uh, uh, but hold on, but hold on, was, He did not have the supporting cast that the Warriors. If if, had. if you make that point, I mean, Kareem and Magic won five titles together. They're both Correct. on Mount Rushmore. So are you going to yeah. discredit one of the other? Like, 
I understand what you're saying, but you still got to go out there and win the titles. Yeah, you got to win. And I think that that's, that's what's really brilliant about these Warriors is that it's hard to keep a team together like that. Like, that's, that's when we look at legacy and when we look at how you think of somebody's career. Like, LeBron's a guy that he's been on three different teams. Like, he's been in three different franchises, Cleveland, Miami, and the Lakers, and Cleveland twice. So, really, four different teams, if you think about it. Um, yeah. And – He's a, you know, he's not seen as a guy who's kept groups together for a really long time. Steph is is more like a Tim Duncan, where he's the anchor, he's the cornerstone of something that transcends himself. Like he's kept that organization together. Like I don't know how many games I've covered with the Warriors where like, man, nothing will be working, but they still have Steph. <laughs> like, like it'll just it'll just be the game where he takes over. And like yesterday up in Sacramento, I was. A, nobody was making shots. I mean, Clay was like four for 19 and Andrew Wiggins was missing turnarounds. People were missing tons of free throws. Like it was a, nobody on either team was making shots except Steph. <laughs> like, except yeah. that guy. And there's so many times where I, I, I think that's the underrated thing about players. Like you don't, you don't talk about how good somebody is as a franchise leader, as a franchise, as a guy that keeps a team together. But he is like that. He's he's what you would draw up if you talk about the right kind of superstar to build a franchise around and to keep it going in a sustainable way for over a decade. It's pretty it's pretty remarkable what what they've done that group and and to you know there's always that feeling when you're around the Warriors of like how much longer they can be able to stay together and you know we've been talking about the last dance all year. I don't know that it is. Um, I think everybody there has a sense that it could be, but it's. You know, they've, they've fallen into this place of, like, appreciation. Like, well, for as long as we can still do this, let's just appreciate it because it, this doesn't come around very often. You don't see groups like this very often. Ramona, always appreciate your expertise, your insight. Uh, thanks so much for hanging out with us, as always. Next time we'll get in a quick, like, Denver fans got to be so mad at us today. We're not even crediting them. Ramona, uh, love having hey, you on. Thank I, you. I picked the Nuggets. Not, I picked them in this series, so I, they, don't, they don't get me mad at me. They're good. No, they're, they're they're nobody, good. nobody can be mad at you. They just get mad at us, Ramona. Come on, that's how it works. Uh, no, <laughs> I know. You know what, though? They, they, they already don't have enough oxygen in Denver where it's so high up there, the mile high, like, you know. Okay, that's fine. I, I, right? So high is something I appreciate, Ramona. Uh, like, <laughs> Ramona, as always, we appreciate you, my Bile friend. High. They, Bile oh, high. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. We're talking about the same thing. Uh, thank you so much, Ramona. Enjoy the rest of the playoffs. I'm Bye, sure we'll guys. have you soon. Thanks. <laughs> Ramona Shelburne, ESPN NBA insider and senior writer. Uh, Steph Curry was getting it done. Getting it done brought to you by Granger with supplies and solutions for every industry. Granger has the right product for you. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Where does Steph Curry's performance rank on everything we saw this weekend? Plus, an epic disaster for one of Harry's teams. We'll tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. When he follows me on Twitter, DM him. When I DM him, do I call him sir? Do I say, dear Mr. Mix-a-Lot? 
Also, it fits an area on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app series, XM Channel 80, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Uh, I have gotten a celebrity chef response to eating crow. I'll give you that later in the show. We will uh, we'll figure out what the eating crow path looks like. <laughs> In the meantime, uh, because we've got a lot to get to, and we love to make sure that you're caught up with the positives and the negatives, let's get you a little three up, three down. From the top stories in sports. Guys, huge news over here. To the bottom. This is it. Rock bottom. bottom. This is three up, three down with Fitz and Harry. By now you know the drill. We're going to play a big sounder that goes, number one. And then Harry's going to give you something he's all positive on because Harry's happy and joyful. And I'm going to give you something that sucks because somebody here has to be the voice of reason, and I'm a Raiders fan. He's a mean one, (laughs) Mr. Grinch. Jason Grinch. That's the new name of this show. Uh, All right. So uh, let's, uh, Harry, you ready? Uh, Let's play the big voice. Number one. What are you happy on? Number one for me. I'm going to go to Dallas, right, for the Dallas Cowboys, the team, the organization, Chris Vaughn, who happens to be a scout for the Dallas Cowboys, and the father of Deuce Vaughn. His son got drafted by the Dallas Cowboys this weekend in the sixth round, and I just thought it was a amazing father-son moment. Also, for the Dallas Cowboys to understand and embrace this entire process. And number one, Deuce, let me say this. Deuce is an outstanding player. I think the only thing – that may have hurt him in this draft process is his size. But the Dallas Cowboys said, you know what? You can't measure heart. You can't measure a winner. We're going to take him anyway. But I just thought it was a wonderful moment for a father and a son in which his father probably introduced him to the game of football for him to be drafted into that organization. And those guys can go to work together every single day is, is, is a blessing um, in itself for me, Fitz. A really cool nugget I'll add to that that I saw on NFL Network. Every time Deuce Vaughn was discussed by the scouting or coaching staff through this entire process, his dad, Chris, has left the room. And the one thing he said is he didn't want his son to be drafted based on their relationship. He wanted son to be drafted based on his merits. And Chris didn't want to influence anybody along the way. Really incredible that he did that. They still went through the analysis process, and Deuce Vaughn ends up getting to go to work with his dad every day in Dallas. That is Amazing. Uh, Now that I've given you a positive, though, my number one down is the Houston Roughnecks. You know we love a little XFL around here. And if you weren't paying attention, we had the playoffs over the weekend, the semifinals in the XFL. And the Roughnecks uh, were the heavy favorite over the Arlington Renegades. Why? The Renegades went 4-6 and this year. In fact, last week I was down on the XFL playoff process for keeping a winning team home and allowing the Renegades even to get into it. Shame on them for not letting St. Louis play in the playoffs. Well, apparently the Roughnecks spent too much time listening to me and not enough time getting ready for the game because the second-best team throughout the course of much of the XFL season went out and laid a playoff egg. They looked underprepared. They looked underwhelming. They looked uninterested. And they got their asses kicked. So congratulations to Arlington to making it. But in a league where every single win results in cash in your pocket. All right. That is one of the incentives of the XFL. A bunch of guys that had cash on the line walked out on the field like they were going to win because of the, the names on their jerseys and the colors of their helmets. And they did not. They got their butts kicked. So I'm down on the Houston ref, Roughnecks. Look at me throwing shade. What yeah, do you and got? I would say this fits oh, about, right. about, about Houston, man. They really started to stumble when they lost their star receiver, Jontae Kirkland. Things really went downhill when he went down. Totally agree. Next up. Number two. Number two for me, it's that bad man, Steph Curry, and the 50-piece that he dropped in game seven. 
Seven threes. The mid-range was on point. He got into the paint frequently. He gave his team a little speech, told everyone to buy in. If you're not going to buy in, don't get on the bus. But guess who was on that bus? Chef Curry. And guess what Chef Curry was doing? Damn it, he was cooking. And guess who else? Guess, well, guess what else happened? Everybody else was looking, <laughs> including the, the, the Sacramento Kings fits, in which you picked. So my up is not only Steph Curry, but also... Me being on the winning side, and now you got to buy everybody on our crew J. Tim's Chicken Wings. Atta baby, Steph. Continue to make me look good, Steph. I'm counting on you, buddy. That's my number two. All right. That's your number two up. My number two down, you might want some chicken wings. You might want to be eating your feelings because my number two down is the Boston Bruins. What are you doing? How do you blow a year where you had the best season that we've ever seen? And everybody comes in and says, well, I know you don't win if you won the President's Trophy, but this one's different because this team is so stinking good. And then you have a lead in the series, and you have a lead in the game, and you implode, and you allow a game-tying goal with less than a minute left, only to lose in overtime to a Florida team that, frankly, was not as good as you were. Way to lay an egg and let down an entire fan base after a season of supposed surprise just to end up flat on your face and reminding everybody that the regular season doesn't matter if you don't get anything out of the playoffs. Sad, sad Bruins. I have nothing to say because, <laughs> I mean, at least I got to wear my posture knock jersey yesterday, and that, that will be the only time the rest of the season I will wear it because the Bruins are done. And, and I'm really sad about this one, but I thought the goalie play in this entire series wasn't good. You look at a team that had a 3-1 series lead, you allowed the Florida Panthers to come back and win. You had a 3-2 lead with one minute to go in the third period, and you would have won that series in advance, and you don't let it happen. You let it go in overtime, and then the way you lost in overtime, I'm sad. I'm saying. You know what? Usually we do a three up before the three down. We're going to flip them this time. I'm going to do my down while we're on it so we can end on a positive note. Play the number three sound. Number I'm three. I'm just going willy-nilly on uh. here. I got to buy wings, as you mentioned, for this whole crew. I ain't buying no ranch. Ranch <laughs> sucks. Ranch is not good. Ranch does not belong on chicken wings. Blue cheese does, all right? So I'm still down on ranch. I'm down on the fact that I got to spend money. I'm down on the fact that the Kings did that to me. The Kings need to Venmo me 100 bucks for the wings I'm going to buy for this crew for blowing it against Steph in game seven. All right, now well, you can. Okay. Before I get to my last positive, you <laughs> lost a bet. You don't get to say what we order. We order it. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, um, now, I said I was ordering. Okay, yeah, go ahead. My number three positive goes out to my daughter. My baby had another dance competition, and those of you fathers that are listening right now and also are dance dads, I can relate to you. My baby had her second solo appearance at the dance competition in Alabama this weekend, and she won it all. She got first place. My baby is a star. My baby is a star. And being a parent is amazing. But when the kids are successful in school and they do the right thing and then they go out and, you know, uh, extra uh, curricular activities and they do well in it, you got to reward them. So not only am I rewarding my daughter by talking about her on Fitz and Harry and her being my number three positive, I'm going to take her for some ice cream today. We're going for ice cream. Even if my damn wife tells me no. We're going for ice cream. Look at I'm that. bucking the system today. You know what? I just want all. I want a show outing now where we go to the dance competition and we just cheer her on because every time we see this coming in in the ups, we're incredibly happy and proud as the as the like work family for you. Uh, amazing, amazing, and incredible. Uh, she she deserves all of the ice cream she could possibly get. That's the positive. 
We're going to get back to the negative next. The Bruins blew it. We'll talk to an expert about what the hell went wrong. Fitz and Harry on ESPN. I'm gone. I'm leaving, y'all. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Circle for Hagee, shot top shelf, he scores! Carter for Hagee, top shelf, and the Panthers win in overtime! The Panthers stop the Bruins in Boston, and the Panthers are moving on to round two! Carter for Hagee, the Panthers have won in overtime! All year we've been playing playoff hockey, it feels like from January, I think. We're just get hit and then just keep on going, I think. That's uh, kind of the mentality of our group, and it feels really good tonight. Well, the way it ended didn't matter how it ended, it just, the season's over. Not even a hot take, single greatest theme of all time for any sport on any show. I'm just saying it. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app series, XM Channel 80. Somebody that I wish, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, by the way, somebody I wish that, you know, he would hit me up and we could play NHL video games with all day. Greg Wyshynski, ESPN senior NHL writer, joins us right now. Greg, you were in Boston last night for Game 7. Harry is a diehard Bruins fan, and I get to ask the first question, so I'm just going to troll him. What the hell happened to the Bruins? So how about them Celtics, huh? Uh, (laughs) No, it was was bad, man. It was was not a fun time. I went and covered the first two games there and then Game 7 there, Um, and I got to tell you that the vibe could not be more different. It went from feeling like a coronation to feeling like awake. Uh, I had never heard an arena more quiet than TD Garden last night when uh, Carter Verhage scored that overtime goal. And I'll never get the image out of my mind of the Bruins kind of not really knowing what to do. Like, they went through the handshake line with the Panthers, as is tradition, and then they were all kind of just standing at their bench. They didn't know whether to leave, whether to stay. They were just kind of, like, despondent. And then, finally, their captain, Patrice Bergeron, said, let's go to center ice and salute the fans. And then he stayed behind and and hugged everybody as they were leaving the ice because obviously the speculation is that might have been his last NHL game. So a lot of emotions, uh, a lot of confusion. um, And as their coach Jim Montgomery said, the whole result is stupefying. (laughs) Yeah, Greg, it's a lot of emotion because I'm sitting right here in my chair and I'm looking at my Bergeron jersey on the floor and I'm saying (laughs) to myself, the future, what is the future? And, you know, we saw the lightning rebound from a first-round exit after a historic season and win two straight Stanley Cups. But this Bruins team may not have the same opportunity. When you look at the future of this team, what do you see? Well, I see some good signs. I mean, they they inked David Pasternak to a long-term contract, man at 61 goals this year. They've got other good players in their prime, like Charlie McAvoy and Hampus Lindholm. Um, And, you know, Brad Marchand's obviously got a lot in the tank left, too. But the, the, the long, long-term, it's good. Short-term, it's going to really depend on what Bergeron wants to do. I mean, honestly, like, he is so important to this team to the point where when he missed the first four games of the series, he was acting like an, a coach. He was in the coach's room helping them game plan against the Florida Panthers. Um, he had a herniated disc that he played through in the last three games of the series. Incidentally, three games the Panthers won. Uh, and he's going to have to make a decision as to what he wants to do with his future. He said he's going to consult with his family figure it out if he comes back if he's like all right let's try this one more time we could see the Bruins come right back at it next year but if, if he decides it's time to hang up the skates 
there will be a period of adjustment. He has meant so much to that organization for the last 19 seasons. We're talking to Greg Wyshynski, ESPN senior NHL writer. Why does the President's Trophy winner struggle in the postseason now? <laughs> well, now they do because the NHL changed the playoff format. So the President's Trophy goes to the team with the best regular season record in the NHL. It's been like that since the mid-1980s. Only eight times has the President's Trophy winning team won the Stanley Cup. Since the NHL changed their playoff format to the wild card in 2013-14, no President's Trophy team has even made the Stanley Cup final. So what happened to the Bruins last night is not out of the ordinary when it comes to the best team in the regular season because of parity, because of the great equalizer that is goaltending, and also, I think, a different kind of pressure on the Bruins to try to go wire to wire. They set regular season records for wins and points. They were trying to finish this thing off with a Stanley Cup. Marchand said it himself. It doesn't matter what you do in the regular season if you don't win the cup at the end. So that's even a little bit more extra pressure. And real quick, the Panthers, by the way, were the President's Trophy winning team last season. They went out in the second round of Tampa. Verhage, who scored the game-winning goal, made a really good point, which is that once we learned that winning the President's Trophy doesn't guarantee you anything in the playoffs, I think, I think it helped them a little bit when the Bruins started to come at them a little bit in this series. They, they were like, okay, we're not intimidated by you. We know that a, a, a President's Trophy winning team can go out in the playoffs because we went out last year. Okay, Greg, so both Game 7s that we seen last night were won by the team with the less experience. Should that factor into how we feel about going into this Rangers-Devils game, uh, Devils game tonight at 8 p.m. on ESPN? Well, so this is an interesting series because every time the Devils have faced expectations, they've kind of fallen apart. Games one and two, they come into the series, they're at home, all the Ranger fans are invading Newark. Uh, they're the higher seed in the series against their hated arch rivals, and they get blown out. The, the total combined score of those two games is 10-2 to two in favor of the Rangers. Now the pressure's off a little bit. They come back, they win three straight games against New York. Now they've got a chance to close out the Rangers at the Garden in game six and they fall right back into their old habits, taking bad penalties, giving the Rangers power play a chance to cook. Their best players are on the bench because they're not out there killing penalties. So it's really going to depend on what the devil's mindset is here. If it's the sloppiness and the recklessness that we saw in one, two, and six, they're not going to win game seven. Uh, If it's this kind of play that we saw in the first 10 minutes of game six, where they absolutely controlled the puck and started, you know, dominating on shots on goal against Igor Shashirkin, then they might advance. Greg, let's just cut down to the nitty-gritty here. Uh, you know, Harry's in his feels. Evan, the Rangers <laughs> fan, is very anxious. I'm sitting back just watching the Golden Knights take a few days off. Shouldn't the whole show just become Golden Knights fans at this point? Doesn't that just seem the natural thing? Oh, that's a, that's a pretty bold statement when you have the best player on earth and his friend Leon on the other side of the ice ready to take on the Golden Knights in that series, man. Edmonton is one of those teams where it might be time for two generational talents to carry them to the cup. Uh, They survived a really good LA team in the first round and do respect the golden Knights. The jets were tough for a couple games before they kind of fell apart. (laughs) Um, It's going to be a real clash of styles. You're going to have the golden Knights with some great defensive players, including Mark stone and a coach in Bruce Cassidy that tries to take time and space away from the other team's good players up against Again, Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, and a supporting cast, by the way, that also put the puck in the net with regularity against the Kings. So that's going to be a fun one. We're going to see what, what the Golden Knights can cook up in order to control 
to uh, unstoppable forces on the other side of the ice with Edmonton. You did not help my confidence at all there, uh, Greg. That was not a hell of a sales pitch either. I, you know, we're trying. One game at a time here. I, I'm just, you know, Vegas is taking over the sports landscape. Greg Wyshynski is always doing God's work, especially through Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, appreciate your time, my friend. Thanks for the expertise. Anytime. Thanks for having me. It's Greg Wyshynski, ESPN senior NHL writer. I'll give you guys some time. You just want to take a little time, come on board with the Vegas Golden Knights. You know, maybe. Who? You? Who? You you come on board uh, with the Vegas? No. So no. If, the, if the Vegas Golden Knights go to the Stanley Cup final, like, I would have gone to a Bruins game. Well, you won't I, go no, to a no, Vegas I, game? I, 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 most definitely I'll go to a hockey game with you. I mean, we, I could, go hockey, to, we but... could go to the game and then go to the club afterwards. Like, just hit up the club, maybe, maybe some Myrtle service, and just see where things go. Hey, man, we can, we're going to have a good time. We're going to have a good time. All right. Speaking of. But good, I'm not, I'm not I'm becoming just, a Knights fan. No. I'm just rooting for everybody to have a good time. That's what I'm going to do. Okay. You know what? I'm not going to have a good time eating some crow, but I got some uh, I got some <laughs> advice on it. And more importantly, apologies to give to certain NBA teams. We'll do that next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Find the top products and quantities you need when you need them. Lowe's Knows Pros. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Crap all the summer plans. The next time Harry comes up here, we're going to my house. I'll pull out the piano, and we will do a duet. We'll remake Ebony and Ivory. Didn't know we needed that in our lives. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. He's Harry Douglas. I'm Ebony Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they said if you have to ask, you know which one you are, so I figured I'd just take the – Okay. Take the reins on that one. Uh, <laughs> I, you're crazy. Uh, that's what happens when they know you're eating crow. Uh, my buddy Scott Conan, uh, food TV chef extraordinaire, uh, told me that you know, he, he sent me a very supportive tweet. I tweeted him asking him how to prepare crow. He said it takes a big man to admit when you're wrong, but I should definitely avoid the crow. I've had a couple other chef buddies that have DM'd me, and they've said never tried it, but I could only imagine it's a little like pigeon, like squab. So maybe you just saute it in a good butter sauce. I, I don't think I can actually eat. I don't know what the rules are on eating crow. It feels like there's probably some, like, 
you have to have some special license to eat crow. So, like, maybe I'll just eat chicken and pretend it's crow. I don't know how this works. But uh, I will I will say the, the largest mea culpa ever. Uh, the Bucks obviously were eliminated in the first round. Check mark. Wrong. All right. The uh, the Warriors just uh, took care of the Kings. Check mark. Wrong. And, of course, most importantly, the Lakers not going to make it out of the first round. Well, they did. Uh, so, check mark. Really wrong on that one. Okay. I'm going to buzz her and a, a buzzer and a crow at that point. So here's what I know. Uh, at this point, you want me to pick against your team. Like, I've gone full greenie mode. Basically, whatever I say, the opposite's going to happen at this point, Harry. And I, I, But I'll just stand up and admit that nothing that anybody says on social media is worse than what's happened in my bank account because I have lost a substantial amount of money on the Bucks, on the Kings at this point. Uh, I didn't A little bit on the Warriors, but the Bucks and the Kings just, whew, uh, or I should say on the Grizzlies, but the Bucks and the Kings killed me. I tried to help you. You did. I tried to help you. Remember on first take when we had the conversation about the Milwaukee Bucks and in the Boston Celtics? Mm-hmm. And you was like, the Bucks are far more more better than the Celtics. I tried to help you. You did. You did. And you know, you and Legs both were like, Well, I don't know if I like I think Legs said, Look, I think Milwaukee's the favorite, but I wouldn't say nobody else has a chance. And he was like, you know, I wouldn't go that far. A couple of times Legs tried to help me. He held out the the life raft where he's like, I wouldn't go that far. And I'm like, I'm going, I'm gonna double down. I'm an idiot. That's but, what but I also doing. but I also thought like the Bucks ran into a guy named Jimmy Butler who was just unstoppable, right? And he he wasn't gonna let the Miami Heat lose that series. And once Jimmy Butler smelled blood, he's already an aggressive player, um, a different guy when it comes to mindset and the physical. But once he really started sniffing that blood in the water from the from the Milwaukee Bucks, he kept turning things up to another notch each game he he played after that. Yeah, and I think the one thing that we've seen throughout the course, and it really brings up a, a greater theme, the the Bucks lost to the Heat. But the Bucs also lost to Jimmy Butler. Like, Jimmy Butler went out and did yeah. the damn thing. The, the Kings lost to the Warriors in a lot of different ways. But let's be real. Steph Curry went out and did the damn thing, right? The Grizzlies mm-hmm. lost to the Lakers in a series where over and over, it was either LeBron or AD that went out and did the damn thing. Like, at some point, those three series were defined by the inability of the loser to stop the greatness of somebody on the other side. Like, it is wild to just watch somebody go off and say, this is my game, get out of my way. And it has happened over and over throughout these playoffs so far. Well, I think that's that's one of the things that that have stood out to me in these playoffs is that you see a Steph Curry being Steph Curry. He lifted the Warriors. You see LeBron James digging down deep, being LeBron James. Minus the one game, he had a little blimps. But it, it, when you're the age that he is, okay, he can afford one game. Plus, you have Anthony Davis and other people around him that should be stepping up and uh, making their game that much better. I would say you look at Jimmy Butler and what he's been able to do. You look at Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, like the stars slash superstars and in, in, in Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. They have really showed up and showed out, and they understand what it takes when you get to playoff basketball. It's not the regular season. It's different. You have to take your game to another level. These stars slash superstars understand that, and that's why their teams are advancing. By the way, when you talk about superstars with the, the Warriors, Ramona Shelburne with us earlier compared some portions of the Warriors to the Spurs. Well, she's not the only one. This is what LeBron just said at his press conference minutes ago about the Warriors and the, their relation to the Spurs. You know, some, some teams I've played in my career that's, um, that's had that, that, that notion on you, and, and they're one of them. They're right there at the top. You know, along with some of those great San Antonio Spurs teams where you just, if you make a mistake, they make you pay. And it's that simple. So we have to be locked in, you know, um, 
you know, because they're going to already do a great job of scoring anyways, even when you got a body on top of them. You've seen some of the shots that um, the routine shot Steph was making in game seven that everybody was going crazy at, but that's just Steph. That's, that's, you're that great to, uh, you know, uh, you, you, you make tough shots like that. So we got to be locked in and, uh, you know, not hurt ourselves. The praise heaping forward on Fitz and Harry, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, breaking news. Uh, this just in DeAndre Hopkins just posted in, on his Instagram a video from the Cardinals facility. Remember, we went into the weekend asking if D-Hop was going to be traded. Here's the quote. I see everybody want me to stay. Who said I wanted to go? Who said I wanted to leave? I'm out here working, baby. All right. <laughs> so it wasn't that long ago that you and I were sitting there saying, could Hopkins be traded today? Uh, for the course of the draft, first round, second round, third round of the draft. We now see him posting from the facility saying, I'm not going anywhere. I'm out here working. What's that mean to you, Harry? I mean, that money's good. Mm. That money's good that he's making this season because uh, obviously the Arizona Cardinals are not going to be a contender. Uh, but if you have a guy like DeAndre Hopkins, who's a offensive weapon from the wide receiver position, and he's making a certain salary and doesn't want to have a pay cut or – you know, get traded and someone try to alter his salary, he's going to stay right there where he's at with the Arizona Cardinals. Also means he's probably just sitting back waiting to see what Caleb Williams to Drake May is going to look like. I mean, mm. the Cardinals feel like they are going to be particularly well, they have two first-rounders next year. They yeah. have two first-rounders on top of probably being the worst team in the National Football League this year. So they're going to have a high draft pick. And they, they essentially punted on the best of the best in this year's draft. They could have had the ability to take somebody at three they didn't love anybody enough to do that. They traded down to then trade back up in the draft where they take Paris Johnson Jr., the offensive lineman. So, obviously, they loved him. They get a building block on the offensive line, a day one starter on the offensive line. But realistically, Harry, when when a team trades out of three and then trades back in just to take an offensive lineman, that's telling you that they like the skill position players better next year. Yeah, they do. And also, I think the draft capital that Arizona was able to acquire moving out of that three spot – and when you have a new general manager, you have a new head coach, you got to figure out ways, okay, how are we going to make our team better if we know we aren't going to be, you know, the best this season? And they, I thought they did that within the draft, drafting uh, Paris Johnson Jr. first, B.J. Ojolari, Garrett Williams, Michael Wilson. They just got some phenomenal players, uh, young-wise, to go along with their team in the next few years. Yeah, they got a bounty of picks, including Houston's first-rounder. If Houston's not better this year, they could have a couple of picks in the top five, and we've seen how powerful that can be for some teams. So DeAndre Hopkins telling Instagram he didn't want to go anywhere. He's still in do still doing work. Candy and Carlin going to do work next. They'll give you all the updates you need on the breaking news next. Thanks for listening to Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. You've been listening to the Fitz and Harry podcast. You can listen to the guys live weekdays from noon to 3 Eastern on ESPN Radio, and you can watch on the ESPN app.